1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for, find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John ten ten. And today we continue in a series in the Book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're in chapter seven, and the topic is marriage. Marriage is a blessing; it's a gift. Some days that other person will let you down. Some days it's difficult. You've even questioned if it's worth the effort. Well, let's consider how the Bible spurs us on to stronger and more fulfilling marriages. org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do today. There's a place to give at org. Today it's part two of the message called, What About Marriage? Pastor Sean is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Seriously,
2: there are people think that person is going to make my life work now. And without that, I'm just not happy. I'm not satisfied. And there are people going through life, and they just feel a need, and they feel they're, they're lonely. They, just, well, they, they think, man, if I just get married, then everything's going to be okay. And I want to say to you, Paul is making crystal clear, marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. And he lays out. He just flat out puts it out there. I wish... There were more who were like I am. In other words, single. He says it outright in verse 8. And then down in verses 32 through 34, look what he says. He says, he explains that, why he advocates that that some would remain single. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. And that's not a marriage joke. We might take it as that, but it's not. Because listen to what he says. He explains it. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. In other words, all he has to focus on. He's talking about a type of freedom of the single person, and we know what he's talking about. Unmarried man is anxious or concerned about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Now, let me explain something. He's not saying that's wrong or bad. He's just saying there is an advantage to singleness because when you go stand before God and you make this covenant of marriage the two become one flesh i don't get to just go do what i want anymore because i'm now connected to in god's eyes spiritually and physically another person who i share one flesh designation with so now i need to think about what's good for her ladies what's good for him and we are we're together in this thing we're trying to we're trying to figure out and and that's the way it should be he's not saying that that's bad or good he's just saying it's real and when you've made that vow that's what god wants you to do he wants you to be concerned i don't just get to say well i'm sorry if you don't get it i'm just gonna go do it and you know you do whatever you want i don't get to do that we're one flesh so now we go together and so if she needs more time to figure things out we got to take time. If I need more time to figure things out, we got to take time because we're one flesh. So what Paul is simply saying is that there is an advantage to singleness. Married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious or concerned about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. He's talking about there's a freedom. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. See, no matter where you are, wholeness is found in Jesus. Marriage will not make you whole, okay? In fact, if you go into marriage thinking, man, I am messed up, but that person, that'll fix me. You are are setting some person up for serious failure. They can't fix you. You can't even fix you. Only Jesus can fix you and me. But if I put all this burden, this pressure on someone else to make everything okay for me, to meet all the needs of my heart, my soul, my self-image, all this stuff. If I am not whole and complete in Christ, I'm not going to be fit to be a good spouse to someone else. The best thing I can do to prepare myself for marriage is to be completely whole and and just filled in Jesus Christ and be independent, independent in Him, dependent on Him so that I am independent in him. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying independent of all human relationships and things like that. I'm just saying I don't need someone else so that I'm okay with me. I need him so that I'm okay with me. And then now I'm a person, a whole person, who can go in and I can really bring something into my marriage relationship. I can be the husband that he created me to be. You can be the husband or wife he created you to be. That's what he's talking about. And he gets this this legitimate idea of singleness. That it's okay to be single. And I think we in the church can sometimes get this confused. If if someone someone doesn't feel the call to marriage, or if they just feel called to be single, we kind of, whoa, is everything okay? And we try to fix it for them. What Paul is saying, stop that. There are some people who have a unique gift And a call to singleness. I think most people probably have the sense of wanting to be married and wanting to be in that kind of relationship, but there are those who just have this sense of, no, God has some things He wants me to do, and He hasn't called me to be married to someone. I don't have that, that feeling with someone, so I'm going to live fully as a single person. And that is absolutely appropriate and biblical according to what we just read. So don't be pressured. You know how terrible that is with this pressure we put on one another? To be married when you're not supposed to be or maybe when you're not ready? or So just chill. Leave each other alone. <laughs> your, good, your, your aunt, she means well. Just, just nod, okay aunt, thank you, and move on, all right? But don't go out with that guy she's trying to set you up with. No matter where you are, where you find yourself, wholeness is found in Jesus. If you're married... Wholeness is found in Jesus. If you're single, wholeness is found in Jesus. See, marriage won't make you whole. You've also learned probably a new job won't make you whole. You think, sometimes we think, if I had a new job, make me whole. Having children, now that'll, that'll be it. It's almost we look at like these things where like we're graduating. What's next? Oh, I graduated college. Well, What's next? I've got to get married. What's next? Oh, got to have kids. That's not going to make you whole, okay? Just know. Marriage doesn't make you whole. Jesus does. Marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. We need to see it the way God does. Second thing, the marriage bonds are not to be broken. The marriage bonds are not to be broken. Marriage is a physical and spiritual bond before the Lord. Remember what he said in verses 10 and 11. He says, this is the Lord who gives this. The wife should not separate from her husband. If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And The husband should not divorce his wife. That's what the Scripture says. And then down in verse 39 of chapter 7, he says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. He's saying if someone's spouse is deceased, they're free to remarry. He says, but they don't have to. And again, he's talking about there's a freedom in this. And, and and please don't feel pressure one way or the other. What he's saying, though, is if a spouse dies, then that surviving spouse is not bound, and they are free to seek remarriage if that is something that the Lord would have for them. And I think people sometimes ask, well, are there any other instances? And especially, we live in a culture that has such a, a problem with a divorce rate of 50 or even more percent of marriages. That is so broken. That is so. When you stop and think about the carnage on relationships, on human hearts, on people, on children, this is something that we as the church have got to stand against and say, no, no, that's not right. Well, but the whole world, they can't be wrong. Yes, they can. Yes, they can, and they often are. A.W. Tozer is the one who said the masses are always wrong. Just understand that. And we're to be people who are called to stand against that. Now, are there exceptions biblically? Are there instances where biblically we are given the freedom for a divorce? I think there are. And many of us believe there are two. Remember we read Matthew 19 where Jesus was asked about divorce and he quoted... Two become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Well, he continues. This is Matthew nineteen seven. the next verse. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, that's unfaithfulness, that is physical unfaithfulness, Whoever divorces wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Unfaithfulness is one of those instances where biblically we are allowed divorce. Now, understand, I don't think it means required to divorce. I have known couples who have, that one of them has gotten caught up in infidelity, and I have known couples who have worked through that and have been blessed by restoring their marriage. But that is a biblical instance where Jesus says, in the instance of sexual infidelity... There is the option of divorce. And with that, understand, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 24. This whole conversation about why did Moses allow, that's Deuteronomy 24. The the inference there is remarriage is an option in that case. That person is not bound. That remarriage is an option. And that was particularly done in Deuteronomy to protect women who were being divorced for whatever reason husband gets tired of her he divorces her and now she has no means to make a living no means to care for herself so there is this implication in that that remarriage would have been an acceptable option in that case
1: and this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to reaching for real life radio with pastor sean azaro a listener supported ministry of river city community church in this message called what about marriage it's in the series on unity called one available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org and while you're there if you've been blessed by this teaching today your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you find the donate tab at reachingforreallife.org in fact your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: In 1 Corinthians 7, we read of another. Remember, verse 15, if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. Remember he said, if your unbelieving spouse is willing to stay, then stay, because maybe you will influence him for the Lord. But in 15, he says, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. They are not bound. They are not in bondage. When an, an unbeliever abandons the believer, that is another instance where we believe that divorce would be permissible. And in that case, again, we believe the implication is remarriage would be permissible. And that's not something we take lightly. And that's something that we recognize is a very serious thing. See, What I want to call this congregation to, and what I want to encourage believers everywhere to to do is reject the cultural narrative, reject the cultural norm. We want to be people who stand for marriage. Scripture says God hates divorce. That's in Malachi chapter 2, and he's really talking about the unfaithfulness of it all. The unfaithfulness of it. I mean, we take marriage around here really seriously. You need to know that when a couple comes to me or one of our other pastors and they want to get married, and it's a wonderful thing, we are so happy and excited about that, and we really are. But in some ways, when someone comes to me, I always have the talk first, okay? And the talk is, it's a little little bit of a wet blanket, just a little bit, okay? Because my thing is I say to them, if you're coming to me, I'm a pastor, you know that, you're coming to me, I'm assuming you want a biblical marriage, you want to do it biblically, you want to do it God's way, And so, I want to be the one guy in this whole process. Because everybody else is going to focus on the wedding. And that, and hey, I am not some party pooper up here. I think weddings are awesome. I love them. But everybody, friends, family, they're going to talk about the wedding and the wedding date. And they're going to talk about the dress. They're going to talk about the cake. They're going to talk about the venue. Oh, it's so exciting. And it is awesome. Everybody's going to focus on the wedding. I want to be the one guy who focuses on the 50 years after that. Okay. We'll get to that one day, and we do. We always do. Don't worry. We get there. It's in the last session, and it's actually pretty quick because it's not hard, right? It's the other stuff. It's the 50-year part that most people sometimes, they just skip over. It's fun to do a wedding. It is a bummer to see someone who you sat with, you talked with, you loved, you said the vows, you had the party, it was wonderful, and then a year later, they're divorced. That's not fun at all. I hate that. Had that happen a couple times. And I don't like it. And I'm out to, to make that as hard and as rare as possible. And I do that by being the hard guy up front. And we do that. We have an awesome, Pastor Mark has an incredible ministry. We have mentors who will they'll have their first appointment with a pastor, one of the pastors, and we'll kind of set that, those guidelines and ground rules. And then we'll hook you up with a mentor couple who walks you through the stuff of marriage. The stuff that we got to talk about. All the stuff that's going to make that next 50 years work. Because, see, that's my vision. That 50-year anniversary party, that's cool. And I don't see near enough of those. So that's what we want to see. That's why at at weddings, at weddings, I always try to coach coach up the witnesses, right? Because we've all got that guy. You have marriage problems, and there's that guy at work who's like, you don't need to put up now. You just get out. Tell her to get out. By the way, anybody who speaks like that ever, don't listen to them. Okay? They're an idiot. But we've all got that guy that we knew from work who that's his deal. You don't need to put up that. I didn't. And look at you. Okay. Thanks, man. See, I want to coach up the witnesses at weddings, and I do it. Every wedding I do, coach up the witnesses. Okay? You're not here just to look at these people all dressed up nice. You're here to be a witness because one day when they're having problems you're supposed to be the person who says I was there the day you made a vow. And we're supposed to encourage each other in keeping of that vow. Hold each other accountable. Create a po- Can you imagine if we if we got better at creating a positive peer pressure when it came to keeping our marriage vows? If everywhere they turn, there's someone who would love them, have a cup of coffee with them, hug them, and then send them back home to their spouse. Say, work it out. See, This is a a bond that is not to be broken. That's what Paul's talking about. Because it is a union, a sacred union, instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families. Last thing, and I'll wrap up with this. And this is, this is one that I think we sometimes miss, but it's a really important marriage piece of advice, right? Focus less on changing your circumstances and more on changing yourself. That's just good advice anywhere. But Paul brings it up in the context of marriage. Focus less on changing your circumstances and more on changing yourself. Now, remember in verse 17 through 24 what he did? First, he talks about marriage like that. Don't seek a change. Stay put. But then he gives some other illustrations. Remember, he talks about circumcision. And again, this is a church that would have had Jews and Greeks, it's in Corinth, mixed together. So circumcision might have been a thing. And he's like, yeah, if you're circumcised, don't try to change that. If you're uncircumcised, don't go be circumcised. It's about obedience. It's about following Jesus. And he teaches them that. And then, remember, he also said bondservant. Now, this was a little little tougher. He says, if you are a bondservant, don't go, nest, don't go trying to be free. He says, now, if you have the opportunity to gain your freedom, great. A bondservant was basically a slave, although they could ultimately work it off. But they were bound. They had to do it. It wasn't like it was a job. It was like, it, you could be a bondservant for paying off a debt. You could be a bondservant for a lot of different reasons. But a bondservant is kind of like a slave. And he says, if you can earn your freedom, great, do it, good. He says, but if you're a bondservant and you become to Christ, you are a freed man in Christ even though you're still a bondservant. You're free because you're serving Jesus every day. He says, oh, by the way, if you're a free free person and you come to Christ, you're a bondservant of Christ now. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach them that there's something of a power of God that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, he will meet you there, and he will give you strength, and he will bless you and prosper you even in the midst of a difficult circumstance. And what, what that means is don't worry so much about changing your circumstance. Let God change you. You realize, right? In a marriage, I can't change Lori. Okay, she can't change me. I can only change me. And you want to know what happens? Up when I let the Holy Spirit begin to work on me, and when I change me, and I become a little more selfless, I serve my wife a little better. I'm a little more loving and patient. All of a sudden, she just becomes wonderful. Isn't that great? It's like a biblical principle. Don't be a jerk and your marriage will be better. Write that down. That's a quotable one. We could tweet that. But you know what I'm saying? If, as the Spirit, it's amazing how much ability we have to influence another person if we'll just let the Spirit change us. And I grow and I mature. I, I know, you may be married in a really tough marriage, and it might be a person who doesn't follow Jesus and a lot of stress. What he's saying is he has the power to bless you in that situation. I've seen it. I've seen people in tough situations where they surrender to the Lord and let him lead and watch them. Doesn't mean the situation wasn't still tough, but I watched them be blessed in the midst of that situation. You start on the inside. And let him worry about the circumstance. He can, he can change whatever circumstances he needs. Here's the deal. We think if we change our circumstances, everything's going to be good. And I've, I can't tell you how many people I've watched go, they skip from, from marriage to marriage, and they keep having problems. Skip from church to church, keep having problems. Skip from job to job, keep having problems. And here's a little principle for you. Wherever you go, there you are. What's the common denominator, man? Please wake up. Instead... God, I'm your bondservant right where you have me because you bought, I'm bought with a price. I am bought with a price. I'm filled with your spirit. I am yours. Empower me to be the man of God that you've called me to be, the woman of God that he's called you to be. Empower us, God, so that if we're in a job that isn't ideal, great. God, teach me what you want to teach me. You can change things as you need, Lord. I'm going to tomorrow be faithful. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be faithful and let you do what you do and it's amazing and nowhere do we need this more than in the context of our marriages marriage is a sacred union instituted by God to be the foundation of all human families what I want you to do about this message I want you to protect your marriage that's what I want you to do protect your marriage there's a relationship that you got some unhealthy stuff going on someone at work something that you kind of know there's some stuff going on stop it based on the authority of the Word of God, protect your marriage. Protect your marriage. Do what you got to do. If you're in a tough marriage and you guys know you need, you, things aren't going well, seek help. We got some great ministries here where you can get help. Seek help. Don't just hope it'll get better. Nothing changes. I hope it gets better. That doesn't make sense. Protect your marriage. Protect your marriage by being a disciple of Jesus Christ in your home. I want us, as a community, to change how we speak about marriage. I know we make the jokes about marriage. I'm guilty right here this morning, right? We all get it. But I also want to be sure that we, we are the people who say marriage is God's gift. There are no perfect people, right? As wonderful as my wife Lori is, she's not a perfect person. But what a gift. What a gift. How do we speak about Marriage. And remember what Bonhoeffer said? That was so brilliant. I hope you caught that. It is not your love that protects your marriage, but it's your marriage that preserves and protects your love. We think, as long as I feel like I'm in love, then my marriage is going to be fine. Well, anybody who's ever been married knows there are times I don't feel in love. Okay? There are days I don't feel in love. Yes, I know I'm in love, of course. But there are days I don't feel it. The love doesn't preserve my marriage. My marriage preserves my love. So in other words, I'm in love whether I like it or not. Because I made a vow. And it's amazing how, you know what? You grow, you get, get over something and then all of a sudden, oh, glad I stuck it out because, man, it's better than ever before. We walk through the tough times. It's better than ever before. Your marriage literally preserves your love. How do we speak about marriage? How do we counsel friends we got to be the people who says, you made a vow. You made a vow. Marriage is sacred. It's a sacred unit. As we talk to each other, as we encourage each other, let's create some positive peer pressure to stay in our marriages and grow and be the people and the families that God intended.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. You'd like to hear this full message in the series called One. It's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road,